0: Welcome to Wee Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. Wee Fish ASA is as always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. Wee Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially Saint Croix, the best rides on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. When it comes to reels, it doesn't get any better than Daiwa. They've got it covered, spinning, casting, whatever you need, they've got everything and everything they make is the best. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcast. And don't forget, you can always catch us at our website, WeFishASA.com. Dave Crane is in one studio, I'm in another. We do our recording, we ship it all down to Land Lakes, Florida to our executive producer, Brad Neerman from Berserk Productions. He puts it all together, makes it sound as good as it does. Bradley, thank you very much for everything you do. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Always a pleasure. Something a little bit different for us. We've got a guy on, his name is Hank Shaw. He is a James Beard award-winning chef. Wow, he's not just a chef, he's a fisherman, he's a hunter. He specializes in cooking, game, and fish. He's got a new book out, Hook, Line, and Supper. No catch and release for Hank Shaw. Well, not all the time. It's okay to eat some catch on occasion, and Hank Shaw's going to talk to Dave Kranz about how he does that that I get to visit with the best fisherman on the planet come on I dare you tell me somebody who's better right now than the one and only Jacob Wheeler I don't think you can come up with a name for me Jacob Wheeler on shortly but first let me introduce Dave Krantz who is pleased to introduce our good friend Dan Johnston from St. Croix the best rods on earth here you go David take it over as Steve said,
1: I am Dave Kranz, this is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and I welcome back Dan Johnston. How are you doing, Dan?
2: Great, Dave. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, no problem. We, uh, we're we going to talk today about rivers versus lakes, and there is a difference, uh, and there, there's differences and there's not differences, but you have current, you got wind, water color, rising, falling conditions. uh, uh a lot of things with bait choices, colors, the size that you might use, and uh, and even the cover that you might fish in a river. And and uh, I'm going to congratulate Dan. He just had a, a second place finish up on the Mississippi River. And and hey, perfect topic to talk about rivers. You kind of know what you're talking about there.
2: Well, that day we did. It was a partner tournament, a buddy of mine from Cedar Rapids, and I here fished the 10K up there, and very blessed. And I tell you, the biggest. A thing i appreciate is just the honor to go against all those great fishermen i mean that's a that's a field up there that i have nothing but respect for Uh, so to come out second was a true blessing but yeah it was the river and summer and so it really fits this topic well
1: it does so uh where do you want to start on this river versus lake give us some obvious and maybe not so obvious differences
2: Yeah, you know, obviously the river current is much more of a factor, but we've also talked about wind creating current, and that can be in rivers and lakes. But I would say this, you know, Dave, a while back we did a podcast on spots versus patterns, and I, I don't know if I'm... If this is a completely accurate statement, but I would say it's probably more important to understand patterns on a river even more than a lake. And there's a lot of guys out there that would say, Whoa, 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 pattern fishing on lakes is huge. And believe me, it is. That's where I cut my teeth. But the water doesn't fall out the bottom of you in a lake as much as does a river. You could be catching them in a week, a week on a certain day and go back and it can be dry. And that is what I'm talking about. You've got your levels. And when the water comes up in a river, you can get it, it can become dirty. It creates different eddies and current seams. The fish can push, they can pull. So really understanding what fish do and where they go under certain circumstances is just absolutely paramount. I mean, it fell on us when we were up there, when I was up there in practice on pool nine, and then it start coming up again two days later. So it moves them. And and I think you need to be aware of that. I think the biggest thing is understanding that and then understanding, you know, the top top four or five baits on rivers versus lakes, that sort of thing. And that's a great start getting your head around that.
1: Yeah. And I think you're totally right because on lakes you don't have waters that you were fishing dry or inches instead of uh 18 inches or 15 inches or troughs that you might have found them on certainly under two feet of water if it drops 15 inches or a foot you're you're in trouble there and knowing where they go to in the lake i think is a little easier than where they go to in the river because the spot they may move into a river might be two miles south or north of there or east or west across the river but the spot they move to into the lake is generally the next break so i i think that's great, uh, comparison and and what's what is different there so uh um, you talked about falling and rising water color of water what you know what do you want to hit on next because the uh you know what is the key when when the water goes up or the water goes down and generally when that happens on the way up it gets dirty on the way down sometimes not the case sometimes even clearer what what do you think uh, on those
2: yeah one thing about falling water and i would say this about lakes or rivers Um, and obviously it falls a lot more, you know, uh, quickly and the effect you have is more in a river, but one common denominator is points and we call them dump out spots or like, let's say you have, you have a big bay and the water's falling. A lot of times those fish are going to pull to that point as the water dumps out in the bottom of the bay. It's the first place I check every single time. And then if you go to that and you find where it's got, Sand and deer tongue and good stuff on the river and a point, and you got a little bit of baby current on it. Boy, more times than not, they're there. And then you just go on your Navionics or Lake Master and find a hundred spots like it and go looking. And that's why we put two hundred bucks of gas in our fuel in our boats in a couple days, figuring that stuff out. But that's a huge, huge huge thing on falling water and another thing in terms of rising water is those fish will actually push and they'll go to you know green bushes are gold for me if you can ever find that or sometimes they'll go to cut banks kind of close to safe areas and you know but they'll usually go they'll push and they'll go shallow and what you'll find also is the bait fish do the same thing you can catch them in shallow water immediately after water goes up I think it's a little easier in that scenario than in falling water, unless it gets super dirty. Rising cold, dirty water is my most difficult thing in fishing. I just can't catch them. But if it stays clear at all, you got a chance. You just got to start real shallow and pick a bait you can cover a ton of water with.
1: Okay, speaking of baits, what the is there a lot of difference in bait choices for uh, rivers versus lakes?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, man, I'll make a little call out to Z-Man. They've got a little bait coming out this fall called a Minimax, and I got my hands on a couple of them. Bless their hearts, because in practice it was unbelievable how I could cover water with that thing, fish it fast, and blow out of the water and caught a pile of them. But to that point, that can be a lipless bait, it can be a buzz bait, it can be a a spinner bait. It's great for, for searching. The one thing I won't do in rising water is go in with a drop shot and surgically pick a small area apart to try to find them I'm trying to get a bite period end of story and if I get a bite then you might try to dissect and chunk things out falling water uh to me the fish are a lot more concentrated so you can find them on these pullout spots on these points and there'll be 30 of them there we're in rising water that's usually not the case
1: Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. So not pulling out a drop shot. Um, so what you're saying is, when you're looking for them in the practice days, or if your fish move for whatever reason, you're using some kind of bait that you can you can find them, like a chatter bait or a spinner bait or a swim jig, that type of bait.
2: Exactly, and you know, like I explained. But then to the to the converse of that, in falling water, if I get to a spot where I really think they are, like the point we just explained, I might throw ten baits at them. Maybe they want a Carolina rig dragon. Maybe they want a topwater. or What we do, we don't know. But the spot on falling water is more predictable than a spot in rising water. I guess is what I'm trying to say. At least for me, when riot, when water is rising and clear, I'm throwing a bait where I can cover a ton of water with. Where in falling water, I'm looking more for spots, trying to figure out how to catch them because I'm pretty sure they're going to be there.
1: Okay, is there a time that? Uh, on rivers that they're not in skinny water or the next point where you can find them in in deeper water on the rivers because there are some places that have deeper water
2: that's what's so awesome about fishing is once you think you got figured out you get thrown in nine circles and you spin out and have to start all over again i can't tell you how many times you look at a map and you're like they absolutely have to be here they were here last week the water's dropping and they're going to be here and you go there and they're not and that's that's when it could be a situation where maybe instead of solid deer tongue they're in more patches of it or maybe the current's not quite right or whatever that's when you got to let the fish tell you what to do and that's why you just got to keep running around and and try to get a bite Um, So it's, you know, some of this is kind of predictable based on history, but I think it goes back, Dave, to that podcast we did a while back. We need to be adept at patterns more than spots. We need to understand why you get that bite and get our head around that and apply it to other places instead of going back to history and those old spots. Because sometimes it can dry up, number one, and number two, other people know about them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing on the rivers that's different than the lakes is you can have cover that is covered for miles. You can have riprap, you can have pads, you can have islands with shoots through it, you can have sandbars, and they can continue forever. Is that just a, uh, a guess on where to start on that, or do you start on one end or the other? Do you start in the middle? How do you dissect when you have that much of one type of cover to find the right areas?
2: Yeah, there couldn't be a better question asked. And boy, we were, you know, victim of that last week. It took three days to practice. And you're right. You can go in a slew and a mile and a half of it looks good. But we start looking at the amount of current on stuff, start looking at the water clarity. But more importantly to me, I'm always trying to find what we call the spot on a spot. For example, if you get a hundred yard stretch, What three or four parts of that stretch are different? And I'm not just talking about what you can visually see. That's why we use, you know, sight imaging or structure scan. And uh, I have forward look now, which is amazing, but also just 2D. And let's say you're going down a bank and it drops off two feet, a little sand drop or something. You can't see it with the naked eye, but mark that kind of stuff and fish it because if you just get lost going to towards everything that looks great to your eye, man, you can just spend hours up there and not get a bite. Whereas sometimes if we just find that spot in a spot, maybe it's one, two, three spots and a 200 yard stretch that are a little different, anything different about it can yeah. pay off really good for you.
1: Yep. And that's, that's good advice. And look for something that's different because it is massive. Okay. Uh, one last question on this, because we're going to run out of time. Um, On the lakes, we see birds dive bombing and, you know, obviously minnows are being pushed to the top, whether it's smallmouth or or largemouth. On the rivers, I've seen places where I've seen birds, most of the time it's been on wing dams, but I've also seen where the pelicans line up on dead timber and those pelicans are never far, this is what on the upper Mississippi River, are never far from where their food source is. Have you had success fishing those type areas?
2: Yeah, we looked at birds in a few areas last week, and specifically those herons that are standing on main river points inside cuts, and they're standing there for a reason. And they just are. They're better fishermen than you or I Dave, <laughs> will ever imagine to be, and they do a lot better every day than we do. So yeah, I mean we, you know, we get more diving birds in lakes than rivers. At least mm-hmm. in my experience, I, I mean I'm I'm looking at especially in the fall, the diving gulls. To me, it is one of the is huge because the, the bait fish lift up in the water column. But anytime you can see anything predating on bait that's not a fish is a tell, hundred uh, percent. And uh, we need to pay attention to that. At least go try it. And because that bird's standing there for a reason. So yeah, absolutely, that's a factor.
1: Excellent, always good information. Thanks for being on the podcast. And again, Dan, we
2: appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave.
1: Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. Uh, We always love to hear his information. Uh, I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Welcome back to the Wee Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. On this segment, I always like to say that every guest I've had on here has a passion for the outdoors, and our next guest has a passion in a little different way than any other guest that I've had the opportunity to interview. His name is Hank Shaw. He's an award-winning chef and wild foods expert, and he also uh, uh, not only fishes, he hunts, he gathers, he does everything in the outdoors. And he's a conservationist. And he appreciates clean waters and everything that goes along with having all these great uh, food opportunities in the world. Uh, welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast, Hank.
3: Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, excellent! Do you uh, you know? Uh, I think you have five books now, correct? I do. Okay. Tell us, how did you get started in, in this whole thing? Give us give us a little background for the listeners of, of who Hansha is.
3: Sure. Uh, so I have been uh, fishing and, and gathering stuff on the seashore since I was, well, since before I could remember, actually. I mean, there's pictures of me as a little toddler, you know, picking up clams and digging stuff. And, and so I really have an entire lifetime's connection to the sea and to the rivers and lakes and streams and such. And, and over the years, I, I went from an angler to you know a deckhand on a party boat to commercial fisherman to guy who works seafood prep in a restaurant to you know a, a chef and a line cook in the restaurants and, and for a while I did a newspaper job for I covered politics of all things for almost eighteen years and then I came back to the kitchen and I started the website Hunter Angler Gardener Cook in 2007 and uh, i've been doing that ever since and i wrote my first book a decade ago it's called hunt gather cook and then i finally got to do my fish book and i had i have a book on waterfowl a book on venison a book on upland birds and the fish book has really 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 been this labor up for me And and it just came out and that's called hook line and supper
1: Excellent. And that's a great title. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that that go fishing and they don't eat fish. And I think part of the reason is they don't know how to clean them. Uh, Have you seen that in your your travels that there's a lot of people that buy fish, order fish out in the restaurant, yet won't cook what they catch because of that?
2: I
3: have seen a lot It's because it's it's one of those things where you'll see people who really love to fish and either they spend much of their time fishing with guides who clean the fish for them or when they're by themselves, they're like, well, I don't really know how to, I don't, I don't know the geography of a bluegill or a, or a walleye or, or, you know, bluefish or tuna or whatever. So they're like, I, I don't know. And they, they don't know where to start. It's like a present that you don't know how to open.
1: Yeah. And there, there's a lot of information out there uh, on how to clean fish and what to do. Does, does your book cover that in a, in a chapter about cleaning?
3: It does. The whole front section of the book deals with the basically this book picks up the second the fish comes over the rail. And it's everything from how to how to properly handle your fish on board or or at the shoreline and all the way to, you know, obviously the cooking aspects of it. And I include how to break down fish from, you know, a regular shaped fish to a flat fish like a flounder or a halibut to I I have a special session on pike. Because pike have a uh, an extra set of bones that can flummox some people. And, uh, you know, and even, even things about how to clean crabs and, and oysters and that kind of thing.
1: That's excellent. And the pike, yeah, they have, with that Y bone that they have in them, if you don't know how to take that out, um, you know, they, it can be a challenge. But uh, one thing about pike, I, I think they're very distinctive tasting. And, and people think, oh, they, when they come out, they they're slimy and they smell. But, boy, they have a great flavor, don't they?
3: They do, they do slew sharks or snot rockets, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they're, I mean they're fun to catch, and they have a very distinctive smell. But then again, so does king salmon, and and I don't think it's a bad smell. It's just like oh, that smells like pike, yeah, and mm-hmm. that smell does not carry through with with the meat, especially if you skin the fillet.
1: Are there? there that's a real good question. There are there uh, some fish that you to prepare them properly, you do want to leave the skin on
3: all the time in fact most fish most fish i will leave the skin on because the the skin of most fish when it's cooked crispy is just like a it's like a potato chip on top of your fish which mm.
2: is kind of extra special
1: yeah, we used to uh, pan fry bluegills in uh and we would gill them, gut them, take the heads off, you know, after scaling them and everything and and those fins were like you said, they're like a little potato chip and they were flavorful and uh, uh definitely do that. Now nowadays I do fillet my bluegills because uh uh I love them on taco Tuesday and they they make such a great uh a taco and I I think probably are there any fish that you probably couldn't use on a fish taco? <laughs>
3: I actually made a sardine taco just the other day, um, and even that was good. So I'm trying to trying to think of anything that isn't good on a taco, and I'm um, I don't know, maybe maybe raw clams. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> maybe not. And that's you know I you, you think about the uh, uh, clams and crabs and everything else that's out there, uh, uh, crawfish and different things. There's so many things out in the wild that we can go out and obtain and and eat them. And I enjoyed reading uh, on some of the information uh, uh, in looking into what you do uh, that you very rarely uh, have bought anything from a store, or, you know, eat fish out, you, you gather it or you catch it or uh, hunt it or collect it somehow. And I, and I think that's great. And uh, there's nothing better than a fish that you caught that day and you don't freeze in it and eat it that night. Is is there?
3: Yeah. I love, I mean, it, it, I have a plan. As soon as I'm getting my car to go home, you know uh if depending on what i catch i'm like i'm going to do this with this i'm going to do make some fish stock out of the bones and make some rice with it and and i'm going to grill some of the collars and you know i'm going to i i often end up freezing just the fillets because i've eaten the whole rest of the fish in the first day or two
1: yeah yeah and sometimes if you get a big one you have to do that uh, you yeah, have yeah yeah so how did how did you get in um, from working in the restaurant industry as a line cook? That is that how you got into cooking?
3: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, even before that, though, the reason why I wanted to actually do that as a job was because I'm the last of four, and there's a pretty big gap between me and my my next sister. And so my mom and my stepdad really like to go to nice restaurants. And, and when it's only the one kid and the one kid actually likes food, I got a chance to be exposed to really, really good food at a young age. And I, I've always been kind of a, you know, a guy with, you know, champagne taste and, and, uh, and Chevy, Chevy budget,
4: but <laughs>
3: <laughs> when working in a restaurant, you get exposed to some of this amazing stuff that you would never really see anywhere else. And, and I wanted to be a part of that.
1: No, oh, that that's neat, and I don't want this to get away. the The new book is uh, uh, Hook, Line, and Supper. and And what's the easiest way for them to find this book or, or get to your website?
3: Probably the easiest way to get it is to get it on Amazon.com. But you can you can get hunt get cook. It's my first book. You can get Hook, Line, and Supper literally wherever fine books are sold. So your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble, um, my website, I do sell signed copies. uh, And that's uh, hunter, angler, gardener, cook. And you can get to that at huntgathercook.com.
1: Huntgathercook.com. Excellent. And we'll mention that again here at the end. I just didn't want to let it get away. And a lot of times people will uh, be... You know, they're listening in a vehicle or something like that, and then they're just like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm driving. I can't write this down, but we'll, we'll mention it again. The nice thing about the podcast is they can go back and listen to it as many times as they would like, and, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I noticed you, that you're also on the gathering with the plants, and, and I would imagine like wild mushrooms, morels, that type of thing, depending on where you're at in the country. Uh, do you incorporate some of those into your recipes also?
3: I do. I do it a little bit lightly in this particular book because, you know, there's <laughs> – you don't want to overwhelm somebody. I mean, it, I absolutely do what I call chefy dishes that are completely wild. And I love to make dishes that are symbolic of where I was fishing or where I was hunting. And so I did a dish once after catching walleyes up in uh, Lake Sacagawea and, and near Minot, North Dakota – And it was all of the things on that dish were very, very, very North Dakota. And I love doing those kinds of dishes. But I I also recognize that that's me stretching. And um, I, I usually will only include wild edible plants if they're pretty common, like morels or ramps or something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, accessibility for everybody that would be cooking something. A lot of people fish, many people you know, they're going to buy whatever they're going to make with it uh, at the grocery store. And, and some things may or may not be available, depending on where you're at across the country. So that's probably, probably uh, a very uh, good idea. Um, I, I notice also that you have, you know, different, there's spicy dishes, there's curry dishes, there's clams di- dishes, there's just so many different things. Um, it, what is the, I guess, the most unique or odd or different recipe that you have done with fish?
3: Um, I think the one that, that surprises people most, uh, I do two things. If I, especially if I've been fishing for trout in, in mountain waters where you catch those little ones Mm -hmm. where they're about the size of your hand or a little bit bigger. Um, I will actually fillet those to make like a fish salad or a fish sandwich. And then I will pack the, the little skeletons with salt and brown sugar for a while. And then I will fry that in bacon fat. And so what happens is those little skeletons soften up so much. That, remember you were saying like the fins of those bluegills when you fried them were like a potato chip? Yeah. This is like like a bacon potato chip. And <laughs> it only works with small fish and, because otherwise the bones are too hard. And it's, it looks weird and people don't know what to do with it. And then they eat it and they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Where, I, where has it been all my life?
1: So like a 10-inch trout that the bones would be small enough in that, like a brookie or exactly. something like that? Exactly. Okay.
3: Yep, yep, or small brim or, yeah. uh, or little, like little, little mackerel. That kind of thing works too.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? Sometimes those places are catch and release unless something happens to uh, expire because it was hooked deeply or something like that. And there's an opportunity to, to use something that uh, you may not do and use the whole thing, which I, I like also. You, you know what? I, I've gotten many more questions that I would like to ask Hank Shaw, but we're going to run out of time. I would like to ask you to come back next week and we'll so we can finish uh, talking about the hook uh, Line, and Supper book and the other ones that you have. And uh, are you willing to do that?
4: Yeah, no problem.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, I thank you for being on, and I thank you for coming back next week. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, talk soon.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: Excellent. That was Hank Shaw. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion with the out- for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back.
0: We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta Gear and Apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long-control light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. I could spend this whole segment just introducing our next guest, but then I'll counterbalance that by saying he is a man that needs no introduction. Uh, He just won his third major tournament of the year. I don't think I'm uh, saying anything uh, that's outlandish by introducing him as right now, 2021. He is the best bass fisherman on the planet. Please welcome the one and
4: only Jacob Wheeler. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Man, I am doing great, Steve. Appreciate you having me on, man. It's, uh, just got back home and uh, getting ready for the final event of the year. But, man, it's been an unbelievable year so far.
0: You have got uh, a big day coming up on September the 18th, if I'm not mistaken.
4: No, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. August 18th. I'll be so I got to a- I'm uh, I'm putting up there in age, so I gotta I gotta I got to. Uh, we got a little one on the way, and we got a little boy on the way right now, and uh, he's will will be here in the late October. So a lot of things changing in life. We'll be moving next spring, and so we got a lot of things, a lot of things going on. That's for sure. Oh, happy
0: he- he- happy birthday in advance, September eighteenth, and you are turning thirty.
4: Thirty one.
0: Thirty one. Okay, you are you are you're already old then. I'm already old. Yeah, you're 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 so uh, I'm, you, I'm, I'm you used,
4: graduated.
0: You used to be young Jacob Wheeler, now you're middle aged Jacob Wheeler. Yeah, once
4: you hit the big three <laughs> you, you just
0: they just all sort of stuff when the, the birthdays start blinding together oh, It's just like heck, you know. That, that is amazing. And and, and uh, uh you are you are married and you have one child, Olivia? Yeah, I have one
4: little girl and a little yeah, a little boy. Guy, so it's it's uh it's it's <laughs> not, a lot, a lot going on here in the Wheeler household. I'll
0: tell you something. um don't, don't want to be negative, but just drove me crazy yesterday. I, I saw, I, and, and I understand what you guys go through on the road, and it's a difficult lifestyle. And, and for the people who think, oh, man, this guy won $100,000 because he caught a fish? That's unbelievable. Well, fir- first of all, you know, y- you are incredible. Your record is, is magnificent. You've won over two and a half million dollars catching bass at the at the tender age of thirty years old, which is great. But you know what? You work dang hard for it. You're on the road constantly. They don't realize what the schedule is, all the demands that are put upon you. It's it's a lot of money. It's not baseball or football. Guys are making. Three million dollars, you know, in a, a, a couple of games in, in football, uh, you know, so, so you, you can't com- you can't compare at all. But I saw on Facebook you put on uh, "Happy to be home." It's so difficult being away from my family for so long. I just like to be home and enjoy them when I can. And I thought that was really nice. And I know you're a family guy, and you're you're, you're a good guy, and I, I respect that. And I one of the first responses somebody puts on is, hey, man, it's not like you're in the military or something. You're just fishing, you know? Uh, quit your complaining. And, and and you answered it very nicely, but I was sitting there going, what is the matter with the world today, and how do you deal with people that come at you and attack you in that manner?
4: Yeah, I mean, you just have to take it with a grain of salt because people just don't understand the whole, the whole picture. They see you hoisting a trophy up. They don't see the sacrifices that you make and your family has to make and Time away from home that takes to, to be at that level, to keep, to, to, to busy, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, i and obviously uh, my big thing is never be at work. I don't ever want to be at work, and uh, I put a lot of time and effort into it, and a lot of preparing to that thing, and preparing for to, today. Um, and so, I mean, there's a lot of sacrifices my wife and family have to make. Um, and, and I, I couldn't do it without but, you know, you just don't, you don't see that. You see the end result, and it's so easy to jump to a conclusion and be like, oh, that's, that's easy. reel real, man, and you do that, and I'm like, no, you just don't get to see all the nights away from home, but, the, all the time and effort like that it took to get there, sleep in your truck, um, you know, and, 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 you know, barely, barely get by. Not everybody gets to see that. They see that end result, and then they just assume, um
2: of bounds
0: the fact that's, that's it'ss just me. Oh. It, it, no it, it is it is tough and uh, uh, fa- face it no you're not in the military you're not trying to compare yourself to being in the military you, you're saying I, I love my wife and my child and and I miss them when I'm away for these extended periods and that's just a fact and that's the way it is and, and yeah you Absolutely. chose you chose that you're not asking for it to go away you're just stating a beautiful thing that you love your family, you know, and man, get off the man's back for Pete's sake. Absolutely right. I was, I was going to go on there and say something, and I said, no, you know, Jacob Wheeler's a big boy. He can take care of himself, uh, and he, you handled it so well. You explained, I would never take away from the military. I have, uh, I have very close relatives that are military, and I'm not saying that, and, you know, move forward, God bless you, whatever. And I said, you, you did good. I was very proud of you handling that. Uh, and, and it's it's the, the, the curse of social media because I'm guessing that nobody comes up to Jacob Wheeler in person at a weigh-in or in a, at an event and says anything negative. They're, they just want to shake your hand and say you're the greatest and, and move forward. The, the uh, social media and the keyboard uh, puts up that wall and it makes people a lot tougher than they are in real life.
4: Absolutely, it is. And, and you have to take that with a, You know, that's thing. If you sit there and you know, so, person, person things about a certain situation, you know, pretty big people that follow me on on all my social platforms, and, and you're not gonna, everybody just, like just not like the Wheeler. Everybody just not like me. Everybody just not like everybody out there. That's what it, it's all good. It's okay. Like that's why this is why. That's life, man. And if you're more than the person to how they feel, or what they say, or what they think, you just can't. I mean, there's enough time in this world to worry about the negativity. I like to take the positive outlook on life. I take the positive comments. I see some of the things and questions. I try to take a little bit of time away and, and, and talk to the people that are trying to gain and understanding and learn. Um, rather, it's very really easy as an individual to sit there and see something negative and you just want to dwell on oh man this guy said this oh uh, you know oh um, he doesn't like y'all oh, man well it's me but, but in the same regard the 98 percent of your comments are positive or people asking questions and you're trying to help those people out that's that's where i like to put my time and my effort towards the people that that try to they're trying to learn or their positive attitude um because that's how i am i am just i'm super positive in everything that i do and Helps
0: always half-full um, for Jacob Wheeler. That's how I always look at it. I agree. I agree. Hey, you know, uh, and not, not wanting to go negative or dwell on a negative. I had somebody tell me a long time ago, uh, said, as you, as you get more well-known, you get more popular, and you gain more success, you will find that a lot of your friends that you were growing up with when you were in high school and moving on, before you got to be a successful professional, Will not be as close to you anymore. That not your fault, but they will move away from you, and it's out of a sense of jealousy. They can't deal with the fact that you are Jacob Wheeler and you're winning hundred thousand dollar tournaments right and left, and uh, they just don't feel the same way about you. Have you seen that happen in your life?
4: Uh, I would say, uh, you know, all my friends, my closest friends, have been my friends for. For a long time, like all my closest friends that I I grew up with, and some of the, the friends that before you know I fished professionally, a lot of my closest friends are actually I met during the high school fishing programs that I fished early on, and that uh, you know I'm you know still close to them this this very day. I talk to a lot of them, you know, at least once a month, if not once a week. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily see that day in and day out. I can see maybe with the high school side of things, but. It, i don't think it's you know for me my closest friends are friends that i've had for tens uh 10 20 years uh, and those are the people that i consistently still talk to. are
0: heck you know if i was your friend in high school and all of a sudden you're jacob wheeler and you're becoming this famous bass fishing superstar i want to be your friend i want to continue to be your friend because i figure man this guy can get me a lot of cool stuff for free <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> I'm not saying that about your friends. I'm just looking at it from my own little greedy sense of mind. You know, being a, a outdoor communicator kind of guy, we're always on the hunt for that stuff. But it it, it is it is a it is a different different thing. And uh, you know, looking at your schedule and talking about missing home, do you see expanding your fishing and and trying to get in more events? Because other other than the 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 major league fishing circuit, did you participate in any other events this year yet or do you have any coming up
4: um no really i actually had the opportunity to fish the pro circuit starting the year off um and i just decided to not to do that i just have so much on my play between my youtube channel and then fishing the EDT's along with the cup events um so i now qualified right now qualified for all uh, three of the full-time events so far, maybe, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to have 12 or 13 events I'll end up fishing this season, which is plenty for me. Uh, along with that, you know, having a family, a growing family, and then also trying to produce. Um, we've been kicking out three YouTube videos a week as of late, so um, it's, it's definitely a full-time job on a lot of different fronts, and so I, I stay busy, that's for sure. Um, And something that I I mean, I I love fishing tournaments, but the more you fish, the more you're gone. And um, with the YouTube side of it as well, I I have enough to keep me busy and and stay on it. And I I like shooting content sometimes that's not tournament content. Just going out there in a John boat or going in in a jet boat up a river or, or, you know, walking the bank. I mean, I, I just love bass fishing. I love fishing in general. And sometimes it's just good to step away from the competitive side. Of the sport to, to enjoy uh, what really got you to this thing from the
0: get go. Excellent, excellent. And you know, people don't realize this, but especially the more successful you get, the more responsibilities you have because MLF wants you to do stuff for them. Uh, you know, you're, you're becoming the face of Major League Fishing. They want you to do more video for them, they want you to do more shows for them. And the sponsor uh, responsibilities grow too. Uh, they're always in your ear wanting awesome. you to do filming. And people don't realize how many days a season that is and how many off days you're giving up because of uh, the people that are paying you wanting you to do things for them.
4: Yeah, I had a sponsor, I won't, I won't name him by name, but I asked him, I said, hey, would you want me to fish 20 tournaments or would you want me to fish you know, 10? and have, you know, 10 tournaments. And they are said, well, I'd rather you fish 10 tournaments because uh, we feel very confident that you're going to provide the deliverables and, and you're going to do well in this time. And that gives us more free time to, to have you do certain things. <laughs> so have to do stuff for us. And that's basically what they say. You know, that's how they feel. They know that, you know, the, the time off is not time off always. And you have to realize that. You, know, you have you have obligations for every sponsor, every partner that you work with. and. Um, I'm thankful to have a great group of partners, but, you know, you, they they require certain things for you to help them out on. And, and I, you know, it's I wouldn't be where I'm at without the partnerships that I have, you know, right now.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Let's take a real quick break. We've got uh, the best fisherman on the planet, Jacob Wheeler, with us. We're going to take a uh, quick break, let our sponsors have a word. We're going to talk to Jacob Wheeler about his sponsors. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA will be right back with more Jacob Wheeler.
2: For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet AFCO's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best In category for technical clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control, light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Surley. Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. And we are with... The hottest stick on the planet. I think he's the best there is right now. If you don't believe me, go to BassFan.com. Uh, they're going to switch the name of that I heard to uh, com because he has been in first place on their rankings for so long and he is so far ahead. It's almost not even worth checking to see if there's any movement because he owns first place on BassFan. Jacob Wheeler uh, talking about a number of things, responsibilities and that. You were at ICAST. I don't know how long you were there, uh, and I always enjoy talking to you. I actually saw you at ICAST, never talked. I probably saw you for 30 seconds. Uh, somebody <laughs> somebody had a microphone stuck in your mouth. You are talking fast. He said, thank you. You shook hands with him, and you turned around, and I swear you started running because you had another obligation, and that was all I saw you, 30 seconds, and I don't know where you were going. I don't know how long you were down there, but man, you move quick, and it just showed me how many people are in your ear and wanting you to do things and talk. Uh, what was it like? What's it like going to something like that? How do you keep that straight?
4: Well, I mean, it's good. I mean, it was great to see, you know, a lot of the the industry, you know, people from around the around the country coming to ICAST. See all the people there again. A lot of friends and, and that you've not seen face to face in quite a few years. So it just always great to reconnect but then obviously yes you have um, you're obligated to do several things I had a lot of meetings had a lot of video uh, content that I shot for individual sponsor, sponsors and partners um, and it does it does get a little crazy you know, you have um, you have your 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 schedule and you try to stay on task uh, but there's so many people to see you know you just have to stop in for three minute chats but you don't really get a get get a get real far in depth because you're on to the next deal and I mean, I enjoy it. I always enjoy going to iCast, seeing the new products. It's something that's uh, always enjoyable, always something I look forward to. Um, and, but it, it's getting lesser and less time that I get to walk around the show and actually see what's going on.
0: Do you handle all of your own business efforts?
4: Um, so I do, for the most part. Um, some non-endemic stuff, I, I work with, uh, Work with. Uh, I have someone I hire to do some of the other stuff. Um, and, but for the most part, I, I negotiate a lot of my own personal deals uh, through each company, um, and it's something that I've had to learn. But I've had a lot of great people sort of take me under their wing and understand the value of certain things. And you start to learn the value of your own time as well. You know what what's 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 a day's worth to you? It's 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 each individual person. It's different, and so you just have to put a put a price on it, and you have to figure out um, that, and then you also have to realize hey listen these people are sticking their nose on the line to to work with you and you got to provide value and help them out and um so it's, it's a partnership and that's what it's all about is being partners and working together with these companies it's something that i don't i don't take very lightly if i if i decide to do a deal with somebody it's something that i believe in it's something that i i, I like the people there and i enjoy those people there um and that's, that's really the key with any partnership is, is uh, working together and both benefiting from
0: from, from the partnership. Really, it's true, and and, uh, you're doing it, you're doing it very well. I I don't know how you keep up with it all, but it's not just fishing that makes Jacob Wheeler what Jacob Wheeler is, or or anybody at at your level, you know, the handful of guys that I could possibly uh, put in that group, but there's three things. One is the fishing. Two is the business. you know it's great great to win tournaments but it's it's, you know it's the business end of it that really uh balances out the bank account with what you're doing on tour and three is the personality it's being jacob wheeler and maintaining jacob wheeler so personality fishing and business and, and you've got them all down pretty well what's the hardest part for you
4: man it's it's um it's interesting because everything is constantly changing I would say for me uh, you know it, it took a while in the business because there is no blueprint for um, working with with your partnerships understanding the value of what you can bring to a company um, and there is no blueprint there is no you know cheat sheet if you will to give you an understanding of what's you know and a lot of us anglers we negotiate our own deals individually um and so some of us you know it takes a little while to realize um the value that you can bringing uh but also it takes a little while um to understand what you have to provide for those companies and you get to realize that that's the biggest thing that's interesting that i feel like Young anglers moving up, and trying to figure things out. The business side is the toughest side to figure out. Um, but when you have good, good people that you're working with, it seems to all sort of work out, you know. And, and I think that that's a um, that's a big deal in and of itself. Just working with good people and surrounding yourself with good, positive people, it, it always seems to help out. The fishing side takes a while because it's it's again, it's it's learning different parts of the country, it's learning different patterns, it's learning different types of lakes, highland reservoirs, you know, grass lakes, natural lakes, um, Tennessee rivers, small east rivers. um, You know, it's all different in different vegetation, different cover types, different types of bass, small, small, you know, spotted bass. It's constantly changing. So there's there's a little bit of both to it all. I think there's challenges on each side, but the biggest thing, and this is is, is something that I, I look at, You just never, and it's something I try to live by, you never want to be outworked, never be outworked. So that means on the business side, work your butt off, and on the fishing side, work your butt off, like, and that's how I try to live my life. But at the same time, you have to step back sometimes and and make sure you spend time with your family as well, because that's what really matters.
0: That's cool. You know, I said said part of it is the personality-wise, you know, uh, the public face of Jacob Wheeler and being Jacob Wheeler and maintaining that. I got a pretty good BS detector, and and I've known you for a while. We've talked a, a, a lot of times, and, and I think that you are the real deal. I think Jacob Wheeler's a, a nice guy, a smart guy, a hardworking guy, very loyal, family man, and, and that's the Jacob Wheeler that I see. And and I don't know if you have to work to maintain that or to, everything is natural. If I was to get your best friends in fishing, which would be Dustin Connell and uh, and Mark Daniels Jr. right now, and said, hey. Give it, what's the real Jacob Wheeler? When, when you guys are, are staying in a place, you rented a house for a tournament, and, and you lock the door and you go and you're going to unwind. Is is he really this greatest guy in the world? Like I'm seeing in public. What is the real Jacob
4: Wheeler like? What would they tell me? I mean, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty much I mean, as much as I'm, I'm shooting on video and everything else. I feel like I I am who I am. You know, I don't try to. I think mean, that's something you also have to learn as well, is, is you, you get comfortable with who you are, uh, you stand for, it, and I think you have to learn as you go, like, you're don't be, don't try to be somebody else, just be you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just be who you are. Um, and, and I had to learn that early in my career, and it took me a little while. It took me a little while to figure that out, because you see these people, and you look at, you know, Kevin Ski Some of the greats That have done this And I look at Edwin as well And you just you, some, Sometimes it's easy to mimic A lot of what they do Because um, you look up to those people so much But then you have to just realize Who you are And, and be your own person That makes um, And that took a little while
0: Makes sense Hey you said you were moving Where are you moving to?
4: So we're moving um, only 30 minutes down the road we're living we live here in uh, basically Harrison Tennessee which is just outskirts of Chattanooga um, and we're just moving down the road uh, probably about 30 minutes but we're building so it's the first time I've ever built um, a house we're trying to, we're planning on staying there for the rest of our, our short our forever home. Uh, if you will, so it's gonna be. Um, it's, I'm more excited to get it, you know, get it going, and, and it's it's. Um, it, it looks like probably next March, probably by, by the time we move. But um, I'm pretty pumped because I got. It's the first time I'll have an actual shop for my my boat, my truck, and all that stuff as well. We, when we bought this place. Uh, I, I remember I told my wife like the only thing I got to make sure is, is does the boat fit in the garage. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, I remember bringing my boat parking it in the garage and it fit i'm like yep let's buy this second
0: <laughs> oh unbelievable no that that, that is great and i'm glad you're staying close uh uh you know you made the move from from indiana to tennessee and uh, it was a good move for you and i think you're in one of the finest areas i can certainly live where you live uh, i think it's it's a great place uh, just you know just the area all of the advantages the people down there it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing and I wish you the best with building the new home hey man you know a couple of names have come up and we're talking you know uh, uh, KVD and Edwin Evers whatever you are, you know ten years ago you were looking at these guys going wow this is amazing and now you're a contemporary you know uh, you're, you're right there you do what they do so taking those guys away before you got into this or as you were growing up Who are the guys you idolized? Did you watch any of these guys on TV or follow them in tournaments, the old-timers?
4: Yeah, I mean, I feel like in my my day and age, like, growing up as a teenager, I looked at like, I I looked at Edwin, I feel like was probably one of the biggest because I felt like Edwin was the most versatile. I look at Kevin, I looked at, you know, Ski and even Ike and look at some of the greats of even like Mark Davis, the OGs and and even Mark Rose you know, hammer and thrift i mean there are some guys that grew up i had fished against but I, I i look at edwin more so than anything because edwin was such a versatile angler he never had one technique you look at kevin I, mean, kevin's catching up going jerk bait a crank bait a spinner bait that that's kevin's mo where edwin you never truly knew how that guy was fishing he'd won a tournament on you know on the tennessee river fishing a hair jig and a crank bait and everything and then he would go up to the St. Lawrence River and he would win a tournament and he went back-to-back, up you know, won a tournament on the St. Lawrence River, sight fishing for smallmouth and cast to him with those swim baits and, and finesse tactics. And so I felt like that was the biggest thing for me as I looked at it, sort of seeing where the sport was going. That was a huge part of it. You know, obviously Denny Brower, I remember watching him flipping when I was really young and Keto Hinton and, and some of the old, you know, greats that have, have, have you know, made this sport so rememberable for me. Um, uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's obviously a ton of people, but that, those are the people that I, you know, consistently looked at and always were following along. I still have my a, a hat that I got signed by uh, a group of, of guys fishing the Forestwood Cup, and like and I, just, I went to the Classic same year, and was able to do the same thing with that with a group of guys in the Classic. So I have a hat from the Classic, a hat of course from the Forestwood Cup. And, I just remember that. I don't I want I to ever forget
0: those memories. Great answer. We run out of time so quickly. I, I, this is going to be unfair because I've only got a minute left, and uh, the, the question is going to demand a much deeper answer, but I'm not going to let you give me more than a couple of sentences. Down to a couple of sentences. What is it that makes Jacob Wheeler so damn good?
4: <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> I, it's hard to think of myself in that way, but I, I feel like the thing is more so than anything is hard work. Working hard, and again, I, I try to look at that. As, my number one thing is never be at work. If you can go through life and, and try not to be at work, and give it, you can leave that body of water or leave that cord or whatever you're doing with a complete, you know, and is what it.
0: Absolutely magnificent. Jacob Wheeler, my friend, you are on a roll. Like I said, right now, you're the best angler in the world. I uh, can't think of anybody that can have a season or go through a stretch like you're having, and I know it's going to continue. Best of luck in the last one of the year. Maybe we'll see you when you're getting ready to win that Red Cross to start out next year. There's just more and more good things coming down the road for Jacob Wheeler. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate the time. You take care of that family. Be healthy. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Really
4: appreciate it, you, you guys have a great
0: day. Hey, Jacob Wheeler. Doesn't come any better than that. Thank you so much. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Hank Shaw, Hook, Line, and Supper. James Beard Award-winning chef. That was really interesting, and I know we're going to talk to Hank again next week. Dave had such a good time talking to him today, and I had a great time talking to Jacob Wheeler. What a role he is on. Man, oh, man, 30 years old, $2.5 million in winnings, and who knows where this kid is going to end up. I just can't wait to watch his career develop even more Jacob Wheeler. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on Earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. When it comes to reels, there's only one name, Daiwa, the best in the business. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at our website, wefishasa.com. You can also write us there, so if you like what you hear, please let us know. And if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing.